Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into the show. Going to be with you today until 3 o'clock. We are uh, we're loaded. Got Mark Heim coming up to talk about this uh, championship game, which, by the way, what a, man, what a physical football game last night. There's sometimes you watch a game and you get caught up in one aspect or the other. If it's a high-scoring game or if it's this or if it's that. I was caught up in the physicality of this game the whole time. Just two big, bad, four- and five-star loaded rosters of of SEC guys running into each other as hard as they could for 60 minutes of football, you know, over the span of, what, four and a half, five hours that a college football takes a bowl game. But the physicality of that game was off the charts. And all I could think about when the game was over, that's a bunch of four- and five-star guys, a bunch of NFL starters, and the biggest story in the game was a 5'11 walk-on quarterback, Stetson Bennett. Yeah, initially. You know what? I, I was so excited. Uh, you know, I, I I picked Georgia on Call Your Shot on Friday, but I still wasn't sure if they were going to actually win because they had the better talent. Everybody kept saying that, even the national guys. But that doesn't mean you're going to win the game and you're going against the greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, what's happening here? I really thought both sides of the ball were playing very conservative. Too conservative for me, especially on the Georgia side. Uh, and then they finally like decided we're going to unleash. Only reason why is because they had to. There was no other reason. Yeah. See, so we could talk about how great and everything and Kirby Smart, and as much as he did, you know, do a good job. They still held them back a little, and they should have been a little more. Almost reminded me a little bit of the Super Bowl that I played in. Mm-hmm. Waited a little too late. Could have waited. If you'd done it earlier, unleash McNair instead of running. But maybe you had a better shot. So you got to play to win the game. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, this kid who they say, oh, we should have had a five-star guy out there, start unleashing bombs all over the place. I mean, three passes were off the charts, on point. And then next you know, the game changed a little bit. I'm interested to see uh, what people think was the game-changing play. Because there, there was a lot of game-changing plays. It kept going back and forth there in the third, fourth quarter with the block kick. I thought that was huge. The cook long run. I mean, we can go down, you know, the laundry list of things that happened in that game to the big plays that they were having. But I really thought when they unleashed him and let him just throw. Mm-hmm. Before that, he looked very, very skittish mm-hmm. and scary. To see yeah. that he was going to make a mistake because yep. guess what? He could feel how they were calling the game. Yep. And it tells him that they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. They, it, guess what? They were throwing the ball on the other side. They trusted that quarterback. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So eventually they let him loose. So I was glad to see that. And he stepped up to the plate, especially when he fumbled the ball, which they called a fumble. I wasn't sure in the moment. Then Alabama recovered it. So I was like, oh, man, this is what he's going to be remembered by unless. He plays better, and it, and he did. So I was elated not only for him but for Georgia to get over the snide. Kirby Smart, Georgia, in 41 years of history of not getting it done, and then you know beating uh you know his his idol really, and the best in the business. As you saw, Nick Saban was elated that he won. You could tell, yeah. Did he want to win? Yeah, but it was a guy he kind of groomed along the way. Yep, and said, man. This is the guy, and I'm proud of him. Unfortunately, it was at our cost, and we didn't get it done in the fourth quarter. And then you hear everything that Georgia had to do to make sure that they played better. It was all about conditioning in the trenches. Yep. Yep, that's what they did for a month. 
we had them until the third, fourth quarter. We ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. And so they said, we're not running out of gas. So I, I'm interested to see like what they actually, they never tell you about what kind of conditioning they were doing for that month. But uh, really good game. Just wish it would have been a little more open earlier in the game because it kind of went back to the, mm, let's just say, 90s. Run left, run right, only get two, you know, two yards in the cloud of dust. Be uh, efficient on third down. Uh, and then Young, you know, he – he made some critical mistakes. I think the biggest mistake he made was not just the interception, of course, but you know that was huge. It was the other, you know, the other interception. It was like in the red zone when they got close, or they got closer, but they weren't efficient in the red zone. Let's just say that. I think they only got one touchdown out of what three or four times that they were there that they needed to score. So I think that became the difference. Uh, you know, your heart goes out to to Young, but uh, man, hey, gotta congrats, go dogs, yeah. I was like you. I thought when Stetson Bennett had the odd, uh, Lucas, you you're you are a hundred percent sure you think that was a fumble, right? The the Stetson Bennett yes. thing. Well, I mean yeah, that's what they said. I mean it was in the game. They replayed it. In the moment, I thought it was an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like the call on the Bryce Young. I thought that was a fumble. And reason why I say that, I think they lean to look at the rule. He had his arm pinned to his side by the lineman, so he tackled him up high. So all he did was just move your elbow and just throw the ball. That's what he did. Right. That. I know people can't see me, you know. It's ah, radio. I I can see you. So that's, oh, he threw it forward. No, he was trying to avoid, (laughs) he should have got intentional grounding. Yeah. So I, I didn't really like that call, but the letter of the law says that in the rule book. But we all know if you played, you know, or if you've been playing Sandlocker, you know exactly what he did. He was almost on the ground. So I, I didn't like that. I, I think they should have called a fumble, but yeah, they didn't. And then uh, they called Sesson, you know, Bennett for the fumble, which after the replay, it was a fumble. It got out of his hand when he was trying to throw it. it you could see it. The recovery. So I agree with Lucas and everybody. And they couldn't disagree because that's what they went to replay. The casual recovery. Oh, that was insane. And he just, it happened to land in his hand like a like a bird landing in, as his foot was one millimeter away from being out of bounds. That's the craziest thing really I've was. ever seen. Just so casually. And think of all the plays where it's incomplete pass and five guys run and jump on the ball. Well, that's why guys do that. Just for the one in a hundred times that right. somebody goes, no, that was actually a fumble. Well, this guy just, ball's kind of bouncing out of bounds. He just kind of, I mean, it's that, we're we're saying it looks like he's very running. He's these are the best of Slow the best. Well. He, he's moving a little bit, but he just kind of eases over there, sticks his hand out, ball lands flat in his hand. Next step is out of bounds, but he did get the one foot fully in and oh, had yeah. control of the ball. Had control of the ball, yeah. sitting right in his hand. That's the most casual, huge play in a game I've ever seen. I thought Georgia was cooked at that point. I, I, did, I yeah, it's hard to say they weren't, and that's why I think that's desperate time, desperate. They said we're going to unleash, we're going to start throwing the ball. Hey Amen. We're going to play ball now. We're going to do what so we've been doing. Hats off to them to finally do that, and Munkin and crew and, and smart. But man, I, I felt like well, you could have done it a little sooner. Uh, but, but he was skittish. He was skittish through the entire game. I was like, oh my god, the moment is too big. Yeah, the whole first half. That was like first thing I wrote down. Scary Stetson Bennett. You know he, he's. Uh, he needs to calm down. Uh, you know, they were losing series just because, I mean, really. And they weren't going to be able to run the football where they could, you know, do some serious damage. So I'm I'm glad it ended the way uh, it did for him. 
whether they won or lost, but just that he played better because he would have got ringed on uh, social media just oh, that yeah. he was a, a horrible player. And by the way, which one did you watch? I, I know a lot of guys, it was on two different channels. The film room with a Jimbo Fisher was on 1206 and 1205 naturally had Herbie and, and Fowler. Yep. Guess which one I was watching. Did you go film room? Absolutely. I love it. I love it because they give you the high view so you can see, and then they had it in another box where there was the same view as you guys yep. watching on the other channel, except it was just smaller, but you could still see really you know, good. You get to see like exactly who was making moves, and I thought Georgia really disguised really well, and they were confusing Young, and that's why at the last minute he was making throws at, you know, because he didn't see it until the ball was snapped, mm. and they're moving to their coverages. So that, that was pretty cool to see. And then they were talking through some of the plays, and they would rewind them, which I loved, because naturally they beat Saban. They knew exactly the plays they were running and how they were attacking and why they were doing all this, you know, perimeter passing game. I yep. call it a perimeter. Perimeter means they were throwing sideways. Right. And I kept saying, man, they throwing sideways a lot. Man, I mean, why do they keep doing this? Well, they were explaining why, because against certain defenses and into the boundary sometimes mm-hmm. is because where their weaknesses were on their defense and they knew them, and so they were going to try to attack them. And Georgia still overcame them. It was crazy. Some of those guys were playing off the charts. It was wow. The, the speed of Georgia on defense. Oh, I love The way they were closing them. the gap on things. Yeah. Even some of the passes that Young completed – where a guy ran eight yards in the time it took him to wind up and throw, and a guy hit him in the face. Yeah, He still completed some of those, mm-hmm. but Georgia hit him. Oh, they look like race cars. Yeah. They could move so fast. Yeah, that, that day defense is a once-in-a-lifetime defense. I mean, I, remember I kept on saying when they played Tennessee? Oh, they, they, just, played, <laughs> they just played an NFL defense. Oh, my gosh. I I think, mean, and those linebackers were the guy that's besides the D-line, those linebackers go, man. Oh, man, he, what happened? I mean, he was running fast, and he was upset. Yeah. No, that's how they play. That's how they play. That is NFL. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Titans. Uh, all three of those dudes probably can start on Titans right now. All three of those dudes is, woo. Yeah. If anybody doesn't believe what Blaine is saying, let's check the receipts on this. This is from Friday. Call your shot when we were trying to figure out our shots. I think the hitman had his uh, his uh, future glasses on. This is what he said about the national Ooh, championship. Well, good. Game. I'm glad you did that because I wanted to go national championship because that's what I was going to do anyway. And I'm pivoting to Georgia. How about them Bulldogs in somewhat of a blowout? Mm-hmm. Yes. That Wait, means what? 14 or more <laughs> in Wait, my mind. What? Yes. You call dropping, it dropping dimes, dropping dimes. And, you know, I'm sitting there at home and I said, man, they won by what? 15. Yeah. I don't know where 15 or 16. I can't count, but it, and I'm sitting at home at the beginning of the game. I'm going, oh man, I'm going to look real bad on that call. <laughs> I, I'm telling you the way Stetson Bennett was, I was like, hey, there's no way I'm going to win this game. I mean, he was acting like he was me. I would have been scared of them dudes too, man. I was like, oh man, this is, this is not going the way I thought. And it looked like that. I mean, I, I think it kind of surprised everybody. Both sides were playing really conservative in the beginning of the game and really not to mess up, you know. And, and I think maybe because there was a lot of nervous energy. Yep. And uh, But they were just trying to run the football both sides and really not getting a lot running the football. Nope. So that was a little jockeying there. Uh, I think in big-time games, you kind of kind of got to open it up and play freely because guys are going to be – naturally tight because of the magnitude of the game. Mm-hmm. 
and make them comfortable initially. So I thought both sides were really, and I don't know if it's because both coaches know each other so well, they know their scheme so well. Uh, maybe that was more it, but man, it turned out. I thought it was going to be uh, 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 like, dang, this is boring. Whoo, that second half, I was like, oh, now this is what we talking about right here. Yeah. I, in the first half, I said, "I bet Blaine's asleep." I was getting you told me, man. The game gets boring. I, I can't. I, was, I, I can't, can't say up. I bet the, the, the TV watching me. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is like watching paint dry. Come on, boy! Every Alabama did such a good job of destroying the cylinder. Every time Bennett went back to pass, it seemed like in the first half there was a guy immediately in his face, and he would flush him to his right over and over. Well, then the field's cut in half, and Alabama's got athletes covering guys. He he's throwing it out of bounds or throwing it at somebody's feet. He doesn't really have a throw. He's throwing it in the dirt. But like you said, in the second half, it's like, well, we're out of we're, we're out of options. I, I know Cut this it doesn't, doesn't matter, but I got to hear you, Lucas, on this. Did you have any issue with Saban not calling timeout before halftime and letting the clock run down? Because no, he could have got to, he was on defense, and to me, they were going to stop because you knew Georgia was going to run the football because they didn't want to make a mistake. I was going to say, I, I think I'd have more of an issue with Kirby not doing more with, what, a minute and a half there? Right. He was very conservative, no doubt. And and I think that's you – know, I, I, yeah, you're right. I definitely did. I didn't like how they were going about the offense. Uh, but eventually they opened it up, and I, I'm really excited just for the Georgia fans to finally get over the snide. It doesn't mean they're going to take over the mantle and be Bama from here on out, but it was just good to see somebody different win it. Stetson Bennett went on the final two drives, 4-4 for 83 yards. His last two passes in the game were for touchdowns. That's how he finished the game. Yeah, and number five is, and I won't say he's from here, but he went to Kane Ridge, the wide receiver for Georgia. They called, I don't want to say it was a winning touchdown because they had the interception, right? Uh, I think it's, I forgot his last name. I think it's Phillips, Phillips, I think, is his last name. Is that right? But, yeah. He went to Cane Ridge. He transferred. He was for a high school player in Texas, and he transferred here. His last was an unbelievable year and a half. catch. I saw somebody. It's funny. I, I wasn't even thinking at the mm-hmm. time, but somebody tweeted a guy from Cane Ridge just made the biggest play in the national championship yeah. game. <laughs> that was a great catch. He was covered. Yeah, and no excuses for Bama. You can't say, "Oh, your receivers went out." You know, yeah. prayers out to you know all the players that got injured in the game and everything else. Uh, but you know, they weren't as precise in running routes and drop some Drops. balls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they definitely have the talent there. And, you know, like always, Bama, sky's the limit. And those guys will be a little more precise in route running and everything else and catch, you know, the ball in those big moments. But history says he'll win it next year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're favored, right? That's a guy. They're, they're already the favorite. <laughs> they? yeah. Yeah. That didn't yeah. take well, who, who's the top three? Uh, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. Uh, you can oh, interchange okay. Georgia and Ohio State. I'm not sure how that's particularly okay. ordered. But you're looking at Alabama getting back a Heisman Trophy winner and the best player on their team, who is not the Heisman Trophy winner. The million-dollar question for me for Georgia is, who's their quarterback next year? Because yeah. he can come back again, uh, Stetson Bennett. Him and JT Daniels both. Yeah, and they got that, like a, a recruit from this past year and then a recruit from this year and then like another guy. They got quarterbacks. Well, I think that's the question. Yin-yang. If I'm Stetson Bennett, I'm, I'm – I'm graduating. I'm leaving. Just like he just said, I got to go. I'm be like, I got to go to the league if I get a shot. If I don't, I'm I'm, I'm riding high on sunset. I'm, I'm you know, one of big time Georgia alumni. Somebody going to be taking care of me, man. Dude's going to be selling insurance in five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a graduate assistantship or something in the interim, you know, before the financial planning mm-hmm. career. I, I don't know, something. man. The 5'11 guy, I don't know if that's his actual height, uh, but those guys are getting better, you know, more shots in the national football. Now, I didn't say he was going to get drafted, but I was saying they're getting shots now.
uh, in the National Football League. So I wouldn't be shocked. Guess what? If I was the Titans, I'd bring him in. If a free agent? Oh, yeah. I want him to play in the USFL. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, he could with if they have a representative close, uh, like to Georgia or oh, somewhere think, else. Yeah, I think there's a Birmingham. Yep, yeah, see, there Barons or whatever they were. It's the same name as the classic team. All right, oh, there but there have. is a guy from Alabama who's going to call us next. Mark Hine from AL.com. He covers the SEC. Let's get all into this championship game and more coming up next on Blaine and Mickey. Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Tuesday to you. Beautiful skies today. Victory week for the Titans. They get to win on uh, last week of the season, so they get the bye week this week. But uh tell you who played last night, Georgia and Alabama. It was a great shootout. Let's uh, let's go to our guy, Mark Heim, AL.com, WNSP Radio, who joins us now. Uh, Mark, uh, it, it, as we were talking about earlier in the show, was kind of a snoozer of a first half, a bunch of dudes running into each other. But uh, this sucker got exciting <laughs> in the final two quarters. Yeah, it was a crazy, right, tale of two halves. And uh, while those guys were running into each other, they were probably doing it faster and stronger and quicker than anybody else in the country, that's for sure. Wasn't that crazy? That's the first thing I said was, you know, we start the show, and I said, you're literally watching a bunch of guys who are NFL starters who are running faster and stronger. It was just the most physical game and and the, and the greatest irony of this is a 5'10", 190-pound walk-on quarterback was the guy that everybody was talking about afterwards amongst this sea of NFL stars. Yeah, you know, actually, when you, you mentioned that two things come to mind. They were both uh, plays that didn't go well for Alabama. Uh, when Alabama went for that two-point conversion and, and Bryce Young kind of rolled out and he kind of sprinted right, there, probably nine out of ten times, he, I don't know if he scores or makes a play there, but he outruns that defense right there, right? But yep. to your point about how fast – Georgia's defensive speed is just extraordinary, and they pulled him down from behind. That's a play that normally doesn't happen. And then on that final pick six, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it might have been Billingsley. Um, I can't remember which receiver it was, but at the very end, he was hauling ass across the field and just laid out one of those defensive backs there. Yeah, right I at saw the goal that. Line, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, them dudes were those dudes were flying around for sure. We got Mark Heim on with us. You can follow him, and you need to at Mark underscore Heim. That'll get you to him on Twitter. <laughs> well, Mark, man, thanks for coming on. I, I guess first and foremost, you saw the emotions there. They kept cameramen kept going to Stetson Bennett, man. I mean, what did we actually learn about Stetson Bennett in this actual game, in the moment of the ebbs and flows of the game? Because early on, he looked like he he was spooked by a ghost. <laughs> I didn't know if he was going to be able to recover. And then after the fumble, I'm like, wow. And then he came out and did what he did uh, after that, from that point on. Yeah, so there's been so much criticism of not only Stetson Bennett, but of the coaching staff for staying with Stetson Bennett. So I think we talked about it on my show today. At the very least, yeah, I mean, I think everybody owes a little bit of gratitude and maybe even an apology to both Bennett and that coaching staff. Clearly they knew what they were doing. But to your point, isn't Stetson Bennett, that story, isn't that what college football should be about? I mean, I know yeah. we talk about the five stars and, and the NILs and the first-round draft picks. But, man, this is a kid, and you guys know the story, right? At three, he wanted to play quarterback at Georgia, and that was his dream, and he was going to follow it. And he got told no again and time and time again, and he just stuck around and waited his turn, and it happened for him. It's such a great story, uh, and it's really what the sport should be about. But to your point, yeah, during that whole crazy uh, sack fumble recover on the, on the, on, on the sideline, 
I, at that point, I was like, oh, here it is. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're just not going to outrun their ghosts. And he just proved that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks say next play, next play, you got to have a short memory. He really did, man. He he didn't miss after that, and uh, it was really a compelling television to watch. Mm. Well, to the point, you have to give credit to the coaching staff to still believe in him and then kind of open the offense, whether they were forced to or not at that point, they did, and they went with him, and he delivered. Yeah, uh, the strike, uh, they got Alabama to jump. He had a free play. He took mm-hmm. a shot. Yep. Uh, Jackson got beat like he stole something a couple times on the pass interference <laughs> and then got beat on that one. Uh, I mean, they just went after him. And, look, I, I, I thought both – first of all, both defenses, I thought, played well enough to win that game. Uh-huh. Both had uh, – the opponent, opposing quarterbacks uh, flustered at times. Um, I Like you said, I thought Stetson Bennett – was really off his game. They weren't sacking him a whole lot, but they were really getting to him quick, making him move yeah. from his spot. And then I thought they uh, Georgia defense really did a nice job of disguising their coverages and confusing uh, Bryce Young from time to time, which didn't happen very often this season. Mm, no doubt about it. Uh, we're with uh, Mark. I'm AL.com. And with that being said, man, defense still wins championships? Dare I say that? Uh, I I think you can, or or bad defenses allow you to win championships, right? It kind of depends on where you right, stand on right. that. Like you said, so Stetson and Georgia opened it up all of a sudden. It was weird, too, right, because there were times where neither team could run the ball, and then there were points in the game where both teams were like, damn, just give them the ball and let them keep running. Right. And so mm-hmm. it was clearly a chess match going on there, and uh, Georgia just had more horses at the end. I have to ask you this because I'm debating with myself, you know, quabbling with myself. That's really healthy. But that is, which play was the turning point for Georgia? Because there were a lot of big plays that you just talked about. All right. Block, um, block kick. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of different. Cook's long run. I mean, man, didn't it naturally the touchdowns? All right, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna go a little I'm a, I'm I'm gonna might throw you a curveball here. Okay. There was one I think I think it was like third and six, third and eight, uh right around the red zone for Alabama. Uh-huh. Georgia brings pressure right up the gut. Bryce Young throws a dime to Ajay Hall. It went like over a receiver and the guy guarding him, right over the cornerback guarding Ajay Hall, and like I think Kirk Herbstreet described it as he long armed it. He just it was right there for him. And they missed it. And and, and he just missed the ball. Mm-hmm. And if that were Jamison Williams or John Mechie or name your former, you know, first round draft pick from Alabama, not only is it a catch, it's probably a touchdown. And I only bring that one up was because that's the play that happened right before the field goal gets blocked. And the field goal gets blocked right before James Cook runs for sixty seven yard run, right. which happens right before Georgia scores a touchdown. So if a Jai Hall makes that catch we might be talking about a whole different outcome there. Mm, great stuff there, man. Mark Heim, AL.com. So you think maybe if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, able to finish the game, it's just one guy, but how much of a difference does that make? Yeah, I, I think uh, when you talk about losing Williams or Mechie, the other one is still there to take pressure off whoever your number two is at that point, right? You still have to account and double-team that guy. Well, I think they even said during the broadcast, with Williamson out or Williams out, they didn't have to double anybody. And so now, you know, it's funny, we talked about it on our show today. People were asking, how come is it when Alabama wins, it's five-star next guy up when there's an injury, but when they lose, it's, well, they're young and they're inexperienced. Mm -hmm. Well, I think because you had enough experienced five-stars around them that, you know, those wide receivers could run crisp routes. They demanded double teams. They could get off that press coverage 
Uh, I think, in fact, the one interception that wound up not being a huge deal for Bryce Young because the defense got the ball back, I think it was Billingsley. Uh, he couldn't fight off and get that separation from that, uh, from that defensive back. Uh, so that ball was thrown to a spot which he couldn't get to, and it was picked off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, do, does Alabama win if they have Jameson Williams? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I, but I'll tell you this. I think the dynamic of what they tried to do offensively changed, which certainly played to Georgia's defensive strengths. I know we've talked a lot about Bennett, but let me ask you this because the answer may be him and it may be somebody else. You've got to go to Vegas and you know put $1,000 of our producer Lucas's money on the table. Um, <laughs> who's, Al- who's, I'm sorry, who's Georgia's quarterback next year? Well, that's a great question. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, – all the, the pundits and NFL experts are saying that JT Daniels is, is an NFL-ready kind of guy, which right. is kind of bizarre to say since we didn't see him all year. In <laughs> uh, Stetson Bennett, I think it's just one of those college quarterbacks, right? Yeah. But I think, I mean, with all the abuse verbally and otherwise that he's taken, I think he's done. I just I don't know if you come back to that, right? right. So they have a number of questions, including what's going to happen at quarterback. And, and this is why Saban's kind of in his own little stratosphere, right? Because he's proven that he can continue to do this year in and year out. Now, and like, like Dabo had to face and now Kirby, can they – can they continue to it, – it's, it's the, the ride, the fun ride is getting to the top. Can they stay on top? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who they, they – the kid Gunnar Stockton was a kid that they, they signed on early sign, uh, signing period. He's one of those big-time recruits. I think the only other guys are like Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff and uh, a couple of those guys that you've never really heard of before. So I, to answer your question, I don't know, but I'm pretty certain it's not going to be Daniels or Bennett. I'd be shocked. I mean, would you guys be? I'd be surprised if Bennett came back for another round. Yeah, that's what I said. I I I would leave regardless. I mean, go on into financial planning. You know, go to a camp with somebody, see if (laughs) you can stick around, and then get that. You know, get that. What is it? The section eight or the series six or whatever you got to get. Yeah, series seven. Yeah, that seven eight. Whatever gets done. I would just go to Arizona as a free agent and just back up Murray and see if I can accomplish (laughs) what he does (laughs) as a smaller quarterback, and, and then realize that yeah, maybe I don't, but maybe I do. Either way, he's solidified himself for appearance fees for the next five years anywhere yeah. around Athens. Oh, next, next 50 years, I think. Mark Hive, yeah. our yeah. guest, AL.com and WNSP Radio uh, covering the SEC. Well, speaking of that, then, I guess, what does this mean to the Bama, I mean, Georgia fan base, let alone Kirby and, and the team and everything else, man, to get over the snide, I mean, Man, I, I, I'm just excited that they don't have to deal with that 41 years of pressure anymore in Bama, at least for yeah, a year. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's what the conversation was. Even leading up to the game was, is is Nick Saban really living rent free in Kirby's head, and is this really a mental thing because of the the dramatic ways in which they've lost to Alabama over the last umpteen years has just been extraordinary. But now. You know, it's not just Georgia. Now there's talk in Atlanta about the, the curse has been lifted, right? The Braves mm-hmm. the Braves win one, Georgia wins one. And, look, I'm a New Orleans guy. I'm from New Orleans. So if the Falcons win this upcoming season, I, I quit Uh-oh. sports altogether. I'm just – I'm calling I'm, – I'm just – I'm done. I'm oh, done. Huh. But, uh, but, yeah, to your point, like, you know, obviously this – Kirby's always had one of the premier programs in the country, right? People have always said based on recruiting, fertile recruiting ground and facilities and being that SEC East – it's one of the premier jobs in the country. And there's always been this question about why they should be winning more championships. Why, why aren't they? They're as good as anybody in every aspect of the sport. 
And so to get over that hump just kind of legitimizes what people have been saying for year, which is for years, which is this is one of the premier uh, 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 franchises or programs rather in the in the country. Man, we're on with Mark. I'm uh, you know sports reporter for AL.com. I guess did the Georgia fans outdo uh, Tennessee fans here uh, with this beer throwing? What was going on here? Were you there? I was not there, but I, uh, there's a guy that uh, used to work with us at the station that's over in Knoxville that was covering the game. He caught some <laughs> video of beer being tossed when that crazy uh, <clears throat> sack fumble took place, and there was beer being tossed. There were had colleagues on the field that showed some arrests being made. I mean, look, they were they they, they were celebrating like they hadn't won a national championship in 41 years. I don't think anybody's going to blame them. Right. They, that doesn't help either. That Kirby sitting there at the podium saying Indianapolis is about to get torn up. So. Um, you know, they're only following their leader there, but much deserved, and it, it was a great story. And, and look, for Alabama, they're going to be back. I mean, both these programs have top five, top three recruiting classes. Uh, you know, he, Nick Saban's got the two best players on his team, potentially in the country, returning. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and Alabama fans will tell you the, the, number, of, um, the number of injuries sustained the, the, this year alone. I mean, some people are talking about this being – uh, Nick Saban's best coaching job. I mean, they were – put this into perspective, guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm not one to play this whole look at all the injury game, but they were down both starting cornerbacks. They lost their two best wide receivers, and, they, and four of their six scholarship running backs were injured. And they were still leading at halftime of the national championship game. So, I mean, it, to say that the cupboard is, is empty would be a gross understatement. I mean, they're going to they're gonna continue to be loaded and be reloaded. And now those guys that were inexperienced last night will have much-needed snaps to be much efficient contributors next year. Well, hearing all that, I have to think about LSU may have something to say about this. Well, how long do you think it's going to take for for Kelly and crew to uh, get it done there at LSU? You know much about that? I mean, that man's got to work on his uh, his accent first, right? <laughs> he's fine. What region of the world he's in? Yeah. yeah. Um, in his in his dance moves, leave a little to be desired. But no, they needed a big name. They got the big name. Interestingly enough, Miles Brennan decided he's going to return to LSU after the whole Max Johnson thing. So there's a there's kind of that weird dynamic. That transfer portal stuff, man, is just it's crazy. Uh, so he decides to leave, then he comes back. So they'll have some experience at quarterback, and I think one of Kelly's offensive linemen came with him from Notre Dame. So look, I think they're going to be a lot more organized. And we talk about programs uh, across the country that have everything they need to win championships. LSU's one of them, right? The, the recruiting fertile ground along the Gulf Coast and, and, and the facilities. I mean, he's, he's going to let that SEC West, man, with Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, um, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, Lane Kiffin won 10 games this year. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's cr- crazy competitive. So, yeah, I expect there to be some battles here in the near future in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. We're on with Mark Heim, sports reporter for AL.com. Uh, Mark, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, what do you think happens with the college football playoff? Because Greg Sankey came out of that meeting, what, yesterday, and, and just said everything in the world he thought of to say uh, that was like basically, hey, man, I'm trying, but nobody else seems to want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's really ridiculous. Like, as soon as reports came out, which seemed like a year ago that that they were learning, leaning to a 12 team. Everybody's like, all right, yeah, it's great. Everybody's here. It's going to be a 12 team. And now all of a sudden there are all sorts of stumbling blocks. My guess is it, it has to do with bowl tie-ins, uh, where those first rounds are going to be located and TV contracts, right? Cause some yeah. of these other power five conferences have tie-ins with other networks. 
And, and look, Greg Sankey's sitting there saying, look, we don't really care what you do with it because we went either way. You want to do four? We'll get two in the championship game. You want to do 12? We'll have four or five teams in the playoffs. So um, I think to that point, to your point, I think that's what Greg Sankey's saying. He's like, look, I'm trying to get this done for and, – and he's going on the record to say, I, we, we want to do as the SEC what's best for college football. Yeah. So if that means four, fine. If you want to do 12, we're game two. Because he knows deep down he's, his teams, multiple teams, will be in the running every year. So he's in a win-win situation. I think at some point, guys, they're probably going to go 12. I'm, nece- I'm not necessarily in favor of it. Um, uh, we can't seem to get really competitive semifinal games. Yeah. So, you know, even if we give the first two a, a, maybe a first-round bye, maybe those first-round games will be competitive, but that's not to say the next round will be any more competitive than what we have now. But, you know, in this day and age, everybody wants to be included, and uh, the more the merrier. So whatever it is, it is, I guess. Hey, on the way out, do you think any college coaches get picked for any of these NFL jobs, Harbaugh or Kiffin or uh, Ryan Day, anybody? Uh, you know, there's been a strong uh, – there's been a lot of talk about Harbaugh making that jump. And, you know, if he does – I guess if there's one, it would be Harbaugh. And, and the reason, reason I say that is because Harbaugh's opinion or his goal has always seemed to be, be beat Ohio State. And it's never been, at least in my opinion, go win a national championship. It's always like, go beat Ohio State. Well, they beat Ohio State, right? He proved all the naysayers wrong. I mean, he, they came up short in the semifinal game. And as a program, as a fan base, I think they're happy with the year, which might tell you everything you need to know about that Michigan mindset right now. Um, could he win a national championship? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, they just got, they, they just got pummeled by Georgia. Um, he, he had some success in the NFL. Is that something he'd rather do? A lot of these guys, you know, Steve Spurrier hated recruiting. Uh, it's one of the reasons he kind of got out of it. I mean, is Harbaugh one of those guys that's tired of recruiting? I mean, I, I guess. I, I don't know if Ryan Day, I know he's got some – I think he's got some friends in the business on the NFL side. I mean, I, you know, I still got questions about Ryan Day. Can he, with, can he sustain that program over the long term? He certainly was gifted a Ferrari there. Um <laughs> Those would be the two that come to mind. I don't think Lane's going anywhere. I think Lane stays where he is. Um, I tell you what, though, Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day in college football, if they stay, it certainly makes college football more exciting and more fun. Sure does. Hey, man, always fun catching up with you, Mark. At Mark underscore Heim on Twitter, AL.com, WNSP Radio. Thanks, man. Great talking to you again. Great stuff. Appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for the time. Yes, sir. Always a good visit with Mark Heim, for sure. Uh, When we come back, I have a stat for you about Nick Saban that is over 25 years in the making. Yep. Over 25 years. I'll should make you go, hmm. Oh, you're going to be going home when you hear this. You don't have to go home when you hear this, though. It's Ticket Tuesday with 104.5 The Zone and the National Predators. So caller number five right now, 615-737-1045, wins tickets to Thursday night's game, Nashville Preds versus the Buffalo Sabres in Smashville. Puck drops at 7. You know you want to be there. National Predators regular season tickets. All games are on sale to the general public right now. If you want more information, find your Preds tickets at nationalpredators.com slash tickets. Caller number 5 gets them. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's going on, everybody? 
Dave in the Borough has – I'll get you this stat in just a minute, but Dave in the Borough has a question. And when Dave in the Borough calls the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline with a question, we buy gosh go to we Dave. Go right the, to the line. Dave in the Borough. Dave, what's your question? How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Great. Fantabulous. This one's kind of for me, but, Mickey, you can elaborate, too. So I'm sitting at the bar last night and hear these two knuckleheads talking about how Georgia or Alabama could beat Jacksonville or the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> and when I told them they was wrong, they kind of looked at me like I had three heads. So I just want to get your input on it, Blaine. Well, if um, if either one of those teams can beat the Jets, I, said, I think you just said, well, then that means they can beat the Titans. You should have said that right off the bat. Because right. the Jets beat the Titans. Uh, but, you know, that's a great conversation piece, and it's, it's all really, you know, cool. And, and I, I'm not going to say that those teams uh, – couldn't hang with uh, some of the lower level or worst teams in the NFL, at least maybe for a half. But ultimately, uh, I don't think any college football team will be able to beat an NFL team. Yeah, I really don't. Because it's the best of the best. Even though their record is they're competing against other NFL teams. They're not competing against other college. So, yeah. Like like Georgia's defense, uh, maybe some of the secondary guys maybe couldn't. But I don't know anybody that was on that defense. Really, they couldn't be there. Uh you know, playing the National Football League, so especially their D line, the linebackers for sure. Uh, but you know, there's, they will find holes. You, have, you know, coaches who got more time, so they they scheme a little differently and let's say a little more in depth. Uh, so I just, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I mean, you could say the Jacksonville Jaguars are one of the worst teams, and they just, you know, beat the coach and Trevor Lawrence just looked like he was great the last game. It is funny though that that argument. It always happens. I remember the Alabama year when Cleveland didn't win a game. Yes, and I really believed at that time that they could probably take them into the third quarter. I really believed. I said yeah, it's going to be close <laughs> at half. I said, but second half, I think NFL guys are going to start separating themselves a little bit. Uh, so even the team that didn't win a game, I think it was the Browns that year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people will probably want to compare them to like Detroit Lions or something, but eh, no, nah, it's, it's you know Stafford's pretty good, and everybody on the NFL roster is like the very best at, at what they do. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, everybody at every position, mm-hmm. even if you're the Browns and you lose all your games or whoever, but that still remains like this. It's like we're at the bar and guys are really arguing about it. That's still an argument. That. That's that's really surprising to me. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm not going to say I get surprised anymore, but I, I get why people want to say that. I think I've always looked at the other side of it and just say I get why people say that, mm. uh, but I, I just don't think that could ever happen. You know what I would love, though? Uh, have, let's have a scrimmage and play it on TV. Who would do that in the NFL because I'd be afraid to get some guys hurt. But uh, instead of maybe – Bringing in the Detroit Lions to scrimmage the Titans. Let's bring in Alabama and see what happens. And I, I bet you, if you watch that, you say, "Hey, man, there's some players they got out here that can ball." But you know, if you, and I know that's not like a real game. But All right, the, this this was did they a, used to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did. Well, this was a real thing. And I, I just searched because oh, I, I thought, didn't know that. when did this end? There was. The college all-stars played the National Football League champions. Oh, whoever was, was that? 
It lasted from 1934 until 1976. But you knew that. I had I knew no that. idea. I mean, you know. Yeah, 1976, I, 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 you know, I was just two. The <laughs> Chicago Charities College All-Star Game is a preseason American football game played from 1934 to 1976 between the National Football League champions and a team of star college seniors from the previous year. Oh, man, I learn something new every day. Now, tell me who was winning those games. The defending, it says, the defending pro champions won 31, the All-Stars won 9, and there were two ties. The college All-Stars, so that was 24% that they won. Come on, All-Stars. And it was a preseason game, which means the college All-Stars then still had to go and play their college season. All the way to 76. Yes, I've never heard of it. It was a whole nother world. Now, think about that. If you told, well, the Buccaneers last year, hey, man, y'all, you're going to play these college kids in the preseason. The all star team. So, but in, the, in those all days, all Americans, and you put them together, and you're going to play the Super Bowl. Yes. Mm. Wow. That would be pretty cool. I would go. I want to see. Oh, man, I watch I watch arena football. I, you know, I would watch it if they played it in a phone booth or a shoebox or an airport runway. You know, I would watch. Oh man, uh, that's the real thing that happened. Google it, kids. I remember that uh, college all stars versus the NFL champs. Tell the Buccaneers, yeah, one of your games this year. They used to play like six preseason games. Wow. I mean, there's like Bill Wade of Chicago. The he was a Ram and a Bear. He played at Vanderbilt. Was a great uh-huh. gentleman. A lot of people around here knew. Yeah, uh-huh. I never got to meet Mr. Wade, but there are these pictures when he died to Tennessee and did this photo essay, and it was of him playing a preseason game, like in Nashville, I guess at Vanderbilt Stadium, and it was like it was their sixth preseason game, and they used to play six preseason games, Dang. six preseason. So in that, at one time you were playing six preseason and fourteen regulars. You were playing twenty games. Six of them did not matter. Mm. Unbelievable. The NFL has figured out how to make money, though, over the years. And it's like, wait a second, what are we doing with any of this? And all comes back around, huh? Yes, it We're does. we get back to 20. <laughs> oh, 20, 20 is the magic number. Uh, we got about 20 seconds. We got to take our break. Thomas in the borough is on. Ethan is on. Phone lines are ringing. We'll go to the phone Educate lines when we come now. back. Yeah, yeah, come on, hit us with questions, comments. It's victory week. For the Titans as the playoffs get started, and uh, we'll take all your questions on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.